Hello, and welcome to this month's episode of the Distance Learning Roundtable Show on the Incandescent Radio Network and Incandescent TV. I'm Hope Pats Gibbs, producer of the show, where we bring experts together to discuss the future of online education. It's an honor to introduce you to the show's hosts, Pat Casella. He is the Executive Director of the United States Distance Learning Association, USDLA, and Dean Hoke, Managing Partner of the International Organization, Edu Alliance. Our topic for the April 2023 episode is Get Ready for Change, Instructional Design Practices Through Meaningful Uses of Technology. We know you'll be as thrilled as we are to meet Jennifer Williams, Executive Director of Take Action Global and co-founder of Tech SDG. In 2020, EdTech named her a K-12 IT influencer, an honor that she certainly deserves. In addition to learning from her today, Dr. Williams will be a speaker at the upcoming USDLA National Conference in Orlando, Florida, July 17th to 20th. So go to usdla.org to check that out. And we are so excited to just start the conversation. So Dean, I will kick it over to you to tell us more about Jennifer. Well, very good. Jennifer, number one, thank you very much for coming on. And let me do a little bit of a bio background on you. Recognized as transformational leader in education, Dr. Williams has dedicated herself for nearly 25 years to the field of education through her roles as education activist, professor, school administrator, literacy specialist, and classroom teacher. She champions teachers to use educational technology to benefit people and the planet. She speaks, writes, and consults on practices that develop global perspectives and social good through creative uses of technology. She has her bachelor's degree. I want to make sure I get all these right when I get into academia. She has her bachelor's degree from the University of Florida, her master's of science in speech pathology, from the University of South Florida and her doctorate of education for Nova Southeast University. As Hope said, she is the author of Teach Boldly, Using EdTech for Social Good, which champions teachers to use educational technology for social good. Jennifer, welcome, and we are delighted to have you. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm thrilled to be here with your audience and can't wait to get into our conversation. Fantastic. Well, why don't we lead off, Pat? Thanks, Dean. Good morning, Jennifer. Thanks for being here. You've been uh, an educator and instructional designer for most of your career with a pretty wide variety of experiences uh, from what I've seen. Most recently, I learned about your Take Action Global project that involves some 40 English as a foreign language EFL teachers from 29 countries with a common mission of improving lives in a lasting matter. I wanna learn a little bit more about that. Share with our listeners some details of this project, as well as maybe a couple of other memorable projects that come to mind and, and the groups that were part of these. That's great, Pat. Thanks, and I love hearing it described in that way. This is a new project for us, so that's the first time I've heard it described um, out loud, so it's great to hear. This is a project we have taken on for 2023. We've been working on getting ready for the past few years. I had joined with the Department of State in the United States a few years back, and we started planning for a virtual exchange program where we could bring educators in different parts of the world together in online spaces for learning and sharing. Um, of course, this was pre-COVID, and we were we were going to pilot this and see how it went, bringing uh, these different groups together virtually. 
we kicked it off in March and we did one uh, in 2020 March on comics in the classroom. So bringing teachers together on how can they teach English with comic books? And it was extraordinary. We were able to use comics as a medium for educators to share about what was happening in their communities and their culture and in terms of teaching and learning. And of course, what we were facing with the world. So since that was so successful, we ended up having three more cohorts with that group around comics. And then the US Department of State said, wait a minute, why have we for so long been doing professional development, flying all of these educators from different parts of the world and embassies into DC? What if we use the technologies in front of us to connect, have it be more accessible, be more equitable, and have more people be a part of this? So they open it up. They're doing their professional development in this way now. And every year they're they're running virtual exchange programs on a variety of topics. So this year we were accepted to be part of the program that has full structure around it now. And we're going to be leading a 10-week virtual exchange around climate action education. So throughout the 10-week journey, it kicks off in April this month. And so we are going to be working with teachers and talking about climate change. A lot of the teachers joining for this program won't have received any training on on climate education. So we're going to talk about the causes and the facts, and then they're going to be able to work together to create a collection of lesson plans. We're going to curate those, and then that will be a co-created experience. So they'll be able to use those lesson plans as they go out. And um, we don't know what to expect, you know, when you bring 40 people together from 29 countries, we're going to cross every uh, time zone. We even have a teacher joining from Fiji. So we are, we are planning and what we're leaving a lot of space for uh, exploration. And as we get in and, and we can learn what's important to them. So climate is going to be kind of our context, but really human shared connection is is going to be the work ahead of us. That's awesome. What a what a way to start the this podcast. That's fantastic. Dean, take it away. Okay. Well, let's kind of keep going down this path a little bit that what you've been doing in terms of educational technology, you're also an author in this area. I mean, you you put together a book called Teach Boldly Using That Tech for Social Good, which sounds like exactly what you're doing. And you've received very high marks from educators worldwide on this in terms of the reviews that I've read. Why don't you tell our listeners and our viewers about the book and what you're trying, what you tried to accomplish in that book? So when I was a little girl, I always dreamed of being uh, an author. I, I love writing. I love storytelling. I It was like this far-fetched dream, I think, for me, really. And um, as an educator, I always was interested in finding ways to tell the stories of um, colleagues, of students. And so I was doing that, I think, informally through blogging and, and sharing through writing. And ISTE had approached me. So the International Society for Technology and Education, a group that is known globally for the work they're doing, bringing ed tech to the classrooms. And this was probably around 2017. And they had an idea for a book around global collaboration. So I had uh, 
and thank you for mentioning my degrees. Um, I started as a speech pathologist, so really on the science side of education. And I was in a pre-K through grade 12 classroom for the majority of that part of my career up until 2014. We were using ed tech for good. We had iPads land on our desks and we didn't really know what to do with them. So we decided let's use them to connect to people in different parts of the world that aligned to our mission as a world school. And it was tricky back then, but we learned a lot of lessons. We made tons of mistakes. And I felt that those were some of the richest experiences our students had. So I moved out of K-12 in 2014 and started to connect um, both as a professor. So I was one of the few people at my university teaching in online spaces. I jumped at the chance, raised my hand. I was like, please pick me. Um, and really took that on as a challenge to, to learn with my students because it was the first time for the majority of us. And at the same time, I started connecting with global educators and seeking out people who also cared about using ed tech for a purpose for social good. So fast forward when ISTE had approached me and had this idea for global collaboration, which of course, that's fantastic. I love to write about global collaboration, but for me, and especially looking ahead to the future, I thought global collaboration will equate to education. And we're all gonna be collaborating in these virtual spaces with people who may look different from us, live different from us, be across the planet, that soon will be our normal. So I early on proposed this idea to them and said, would you be comfortable moving from this idea of global collaboration, which is easily digestible. It's easy to understand. If you talk about global collaboration, you're like, okay, we're going to come into some space. We're going to work with people from a different part of the world to something that was a little more abstract, I think, in thinking around social good. Because for us as teachers in our profession, that's not typically something that we're trained in. Social good reserved more for social work, but we're doing the work of social good. We're talking about how can we take action for the planet? How can we bring in social emotional learning? How can we emphasize empathy, equity, accessibility? These are all things we care about. So they they took a risk on me and they said, let's do it. And then we we started to travel down this, this process of creating a book around using ed tech for social good. So the, the book, Teach Boldly, is really designed as a practical guide. So I know our teachers are already doing a lot of fantastic things. So it's highlighting some of those things they're already doing and then maybe supporting them to take a, a, one step further. We use human-centered design, um, which moves us through a process of inspiration, ideation, and implementation through each of the chapters. Every chapter starts with an original piece of student art. So that was really important to me to mm. bring in the, the science and the art side of it. Of course, student voice as well. So I'm really proud of that part. Then we move into ideation. So a lot of different strategies and ideas that educators, but also stakeholders, um, ed tech companies, or people who care about teaching and learning um, in the modern day that they can use and then moving into implementation. A big part of the book is stories from the field. So I, of course, have my 
singular experience and, and I'm able to write about that, but I really aim to use this as an opportunity to spotlight as many people as I could, because there's a lot of great people out there already doing this, um, this work around bringing a tech or social good to, to our schools, to industry and uh, looking ahead to the future. So so we're working on book two right now, and this oh, will okay. be more around lesson plans. We're starting with uh, kindergarten through grade six lesson plans because uh, Teach Boldly really, uh, a lot of people came and said, okay, awesome. This is great. This is just what I needed because after the book came out in 2019, of course, we started to see teachers in these online spaces. So they're like, now I need the, I need that roadmap. I need some um, guidance on how to do that. So working on Fantastic. that now. Can't wait to see the next book. It sounds like it's going to be great. Pat? Thanks, Dean. Uh, and Jennifer, that's great. You know, I, I love books that are recipe books. I call them recipe books, right? You can pull out a, open it up to almost any page in the book, start reading from it and say, geez, I can go and incorporate this into my class, into my lesson plans, et cetera. Um, a reviewer on your book, you know, from Amazon said this book is an excellent resource for educators looking to incorporate lessons for empathy into their classroom learning experiences, right? You're gonna be presenting at our national conference in July. Thank you very much. We're looking forward to that. Um, give our audience a little teaser of your, your presentation, what they might learn by attending the conference and, and attending your session. Well, I'm so excited for July. <laughs> and you're in Orlando, kind of my backyard. I'm in, I'm in Clearwater, Florida. So for anyone who will be joining outside of the state of Florida, get ready. You're going to have a fantastic experience. It's a beautiful time of year. And um, I can't wait to meet you. So I was, I was really happy when you all reached out to join you for, for this session. Um, this is something that is very close to my heart. The work you all are doing the community you're serving. These are like my people. This is what I love. And I think your, your, your community, your members are already doing such great work. So I think for me, that's one part of what I'd love to do is celebrate that great work. And um, also bring focus to our work as instructional designers. I think in addition to social good, um, kind of being left out of a lot of our our pre-service teacher programs and, and our professional development, I think also instructional design. So that was something that when I entered my career as a teacher, I had been trained in the way of here's your, uh, here's your boxed curricula and get ready, open up to page 35 and by September you need to be here and by December you need to be on page 98, you know, that kind of thing. But really that's transforming. So we have educators now who are creating and they are empowered to build that curricula and, and work alongside their students in designing uh, what teaching and learning is going to look like. So we're able to be responsive to our, our students' needs, um, I think, and responsive to the needs of the time. I, I had talked about that with when we are first conversation uh, a little earlier, the first question around the work with the Department of State. We can plan what we expect will happen, but I really want to be open as a designer and as a facilitator in those experiences to be able to pivot a bit and, and follow the lead of our learners. So 
Um, I'd love to be able to share that at the conference and talk about how we can explore instructional design as a community, particularly with distance learning, because I think that is the future. And I think this is that space right now where it's kind of like the clay on the table where we can work together and and establish best practice in terms of instructional design for, for distance learning and let that take shape um, and think about other ways that we we might not expect and be ready for that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, you're hit, you're hitting, I think, the, the points that folks are going to want to hear at the conference. You know, how do we pivot away from, you know, the, the technology piece of it's one thing. How do you leverage the technology, the pedagogy part of it? I think you're going to be able to really resonate with everybody there. Dean. Well, let's, again, kind of continue with this a little bit in terms of the people that you're going to be talking to at the conference, but also a little bit about you as a person who's gone through the years on this. I mean, you first were a classroom teacher, then you've moved into being a university professor as well as instructional designer and working internationally, et cetera. So you've been at this for a while. You know, you've been through a full generation. And I think that's kind of where my question may lead is that you've treated and worked with future classroom teachers particularly as a university professor. And when I started doing this was in the late 90s. This world's changed a lot. I'm very curious about the biggest challenges for the K-12s now. How do they use educational technology effectively, particularly in these days? That's an interesting question. So I have I kind of two groups. So my pre-service teachers and then K-12 educators. So we have, first I'll start with the pre-service teachers, students, and young people I work with who are entering our profession, I think, um, and it's very similar, interestingly, to when I went through the program. But I think that there's this understanding when you come into um, College of Ed that you're going to become a teacher and then there's this trajectory. There's this, like, I'm going to get my first classroom. I think we all understand going into education that there may be some shifts. Like, I may start as a third grade teacher and then a few years in, I might have a new assignment as a first grade teacher, and we're ready for those kind of changes. But what I what I really encourage young people, either considering education or in pre-service teacher programs, to think about is what it truly means to be a teacher. Um, it doesn't have to be isolated to the walls of a classroom. That trajectory um, can be classroom teachers, um, and maybe moving to admin, but there's so many other things in terms of teaching and learning where I think teachers, our currently practicing educators, can bring to the table. So we know that education is across the lifetime of us as people. It's not just for when we are 5 to 18. We need to be learning for our entire um, lifetime, our entire career. And so I think educators, um, especially on the pedagogy side, we have so much we can offer, um, especially with distance learning. Like this is such an exciting time that educators can be a part of that conversation too. Then jumping to currently practicing K-12 teachers, um, using ed tech efficiently and effectively, I think the last few years, we've everything's changed. And for a long time, when I would go and start my work with, with schools, um, districts, teachers, 
a lot of times the first things we'd hear would are the ones you'd expect. We have time challenges. Um, I think autonomy and trust is also on the mind of our teachers. They're a little nervous to make decisions and especially in terms of ed tech, because it is very visible, you know, especially when you start to think about things like social media. But I think a lot of that has changed. I know I had gone to a conference in January 2020. I was talking to a large district and they were interested in global collaboration, kind of back to that same idea. Global collaboration, how can we get our students learning and sharing with people in different parts of the world? And I said, great. The first thing we need to do is we need to get them in front of a computer and have them having virtual conversations with people on a different part of the planet. And it was like, absolutely not. That is not going to be possible. Uh, there's too many concerns with privacy. And I was like, but those are barriers we can overcome. We can figure that out together. But there were there were too many concerns at the time. They said, let's come back to that in August. Come back down here and visit us in August and we'll talk about it. Two months later, it's March and everyone, every school, every student in an online space. And so that accelerated so much for what we can do with ed tech and our teachers kind of jumping into that moment, they were able to see the power, I think, of these types of uh, interactions and experiences. So I think we are in a really interesting and exciting time um, for our, our K-12 teachers to be able to take what we've learned in the past few years and, and build on that. So that's that's where I'm kind of really working right now and very curious about what more can we do? How can we become more connected and interconnected in this work? Pat? Yeah, no, thanks. I'm going to keep right on the topic there. So, you know, I've sold ed tech for the last 20 years and K-12, right? So that has been my wheelhouse right there. Um, and K-12 is a lot different than higher education in many aspects. And I've seen a lot of barriers in K-12 from the adoption of distance learning, right? Type methodologies and, and technology and whatnot. Um, so I'm gonna ask you, Jennifer, how do we overcome some of these barriers, right? Um, there, there's a, uh, hey, I don't wanna be replaced. I, I already uh, am, am in the classroom. I'm not trained perhaps to be a distance learning. What are your, what are your thoughts here? How do, we, how do we get it to the next level where everybody is, I guess, fluid? and being uh, uh, competent to teach via distance learning? So I came across this framework a few years back. And I, I when I found it, I was like, oh, why did it take me so long to get to this? Because it, it really changed so much for me. And it's an easy acronym to remember. It's ABCD, Asset-Based Community Development. And we'll talk about this in my session. But Asset-Based Community Development is used not a lot in education that I found, but really more in a systems level of like towns coming together and, and building and moving forward. And with asset-based community development, it's looking at what's working well and building on that. And so what I've been working on with, with educators, with decision makers is um, Instead of those barriers, because that's the first thing that we start to talk about. Okay, well, what about this and this? My question to them is, what's working well? What can we build on and, and support on um, for your current, your goals, your, your current initiatives? 
And when we do that, we start to see almost the step-by-step process because it's like, well, we actually have, you know, been working on this incredible community garden. And that's actually, we're doing some good things with that, but we need some additional support. And then I can say, well, I know another classroom. Um, they've been doing the same work, but they're, they're in a totally different part of the world. Um, could we possibly find ways for you all to connect virtually? And they, those students can share with your students. And then um, kind of having that backwards design just opens up solutions. And it's, it's really great to see. So this is something that's new for me. I've only been using it for the past few years and, and I'm learning and I'm looking for people who are also interested in learning on that. So that's, that has been great. I think um, the other part for me is that we need to talk more as educators and within our field um, about this idea of being ready for change. I think with us, um, even when you're young, you know, when you when you think about being a teacher and you probably we have storybooks that show what a teacher looks like and and that's your idea. And when you go into your, your pre-service program, when you enter into school, it's almost like you have this script set out. But what we find so soon and, and like when I talk to my my students who enter the classroom is change is happening so rapidly. So these are things I think we need to, to come together to discuss, to be ready for. Um, we are a resilient bunch. I think we're, we're very resourceful. And I think we can do a really great job um, in face of change and we wanna be ready for it. So you talk, you mentioned that at the beginning, the top of this conversation, I was like, yes, I think the same thing. So, so I, I love that we're all like-minded on that. Absolutely. You know, we may have to just go back and watch a few episodes of the Jetsons. You know, I caught right? the other day. And <laughs> my gosh, we've been doing distance learning for the better part of 40 or 50 years. It's been right out in front of us. We've been saying this is how Elroy, I mean, these kids were <laughs> kids were getting, you know, educated at a young age via distance learning. Right? right. We predicted this 50 or 60 years ago. It's time to put it into practice. Right. On the K-12 side of things, for sure. Um, Dean. I'm going to turn it over to you to close this out. Okay. I don't know about you, but I've been watching the NFL Combine. Stay with me on this. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to evaluate the 40 speeds or any of the, the cone drills. But one of the things I noticed that when you do these kind of things, it's about evaluation, right? It's what people think about those players. Well, I want to do a couple of quotes on you. Okay. People, what they have to say about you. We'll start with this. Her work is inspired by passion, and she is driven to share the message of engaged global learning for all students. Another one says what really impresses me is just how amazing she is when presenting to large groups of people to motivate them to do social good. Those are pretty nice evaluations, by the way. What makes you so passionate about education? What's the flame? Tell me about it. Well, those... those messages are so kind. Uh, I hadn't heard those before. That's, that really makes me happy. So I, I would say I'm defined as an educator. I, I always say, I'm like, I'm a teacher first. I think um, when I really start to think, though, it's, I, I care about these shared experiences. I love learning about um, what life looks like for, for other people who live in just such a different way than I do. And, and teaching and learning 
becomes that that force, I think, that allows us to uh, move forward on some of those shared experiences. And so I, I, I define myself as an educator, but I also get to do a lot of things as an educator. So I get to do instructional design. I get to do marketing and storytelling, um, research. I'm very passionate about research and, and telling the story of data, data visualization, a scientist, a school nurse, like all of these things our teachers are, are having under their umbrella of skills. And so I think for me, that excitement and that it can be anything, you know, education can be everything. And it has allowed me every 10 years, I find like, I'm like, wow, look at what we've accomplished in, in this, this short period of time. And, and I, I really do believe the future of education is just going to be fantastic. And I'm, I'm really excited that I get to be a part of that, that I get to be a part of it with you all as you're leading in the space around the work we're doing in distance learning. And then these other fired up, passionate educators around the world who also care. So I just feel um, just absolutely grateful to be able to be an educator. Well, that is fantastic. I love your passion. I think it probably shows in your writing as well as in your speeches and your seminars. So good job and keep doing it. Hope. Thank you. Wow. That's just an amazing body of work and can't wait to see what else you're going to create and help us along the way. So that does it for the April episode of the Distance Learning Roundtable Show. This is episode seven. To watch previous and future episodes, please visit www.distancelearningroundtable.com and our YouTube channel, distancelearningroundtable.tv. I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, producer of the show on the Incandescent Radio Network and Incandescent TV. On behalf of Dean, Pat, Jennifer, and myself, we look forward to connecting with you next month when you are going to meet the editor-in-chief at The Evolution, a modern campus illumination. We can't wait to introduce you to Emirate. And we look forward to seeing you at the U.S. Distance Learning Association Conference in Orlando, July 17th to the 20th. <laughs> I'm Hope, and I thank you all. Have a beautiful day. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.